hey, could you do me a quick favour wherever you're listening to this or watching this from? Could you just hit the subscribe button? It honestly goes further than you'd imagine. And it also means that we can bring in new guests every week. Highly known guests. And some that have been confirmed are Stina Sanders, Andrew Young, Ed Latimore, and much, much more. It means we can have exciting conversations with them and you can benefit from it. But on this week's episode, I sit down with Naomi Metzger, who is an incredible nine times British champion and an athlete. It's an incredible conversation and me and Naomi get really deep and dark about the truth of what it's really like to be an athlete. She opens up about racism that she's experienced, sexism her other projects outside of sports, whether athletics makes money and much, much more. It is an incredible conversation and one that I'm sure you will enjoy. So without further ado, I'm Liam Chick. I cannot wait to share this with you. So let's dive into episode 11 of The Online Disruptor. Cool. So Naomi, thanks very much for um, sitting down with me. It's a pleasure to get you on. You're certainly a very talented, um, gifted individual. You're nine times British champion. You're 24 years old. That's an incredible achievement that I'm sure a lot of young people, especially young girls, will look up to. I think the first question really I want to know is why why athletics? Um, I think it's because I wasn't really good at... Um team sports I don't have much I'm getting better but I didn't have very much good hand-eye coordination so I would always like because I'm tall they'd be like Neil you need to you need to play basketball and I'm like well I can't catch I'm not the best thrower and I don't really know where I am spatially so I don't think that's gonna work so I think I want to find something where I can just do it on my own if so I can't let the team down <laughs> so I went with um, athletics and my dad <laughs> my dad used to do triple jump um, back when he was in um, uni in Nigeria. So he, it's a big passion of his that he used to love. Um, and he, I remember like really vaguely going to watch him compete when I was about two. Um, so maybe that just like struck something in me as well. Um, but I started off as a sprinter because I was the fastest in my class um, and then the fastest in my year, apart from one boy. Um, <laughs> but um, so that made me want to go into athletics. So I started off doing the 200 and then switched the triple jump um, two years later when I was just turned 16. When you when you go into athletics, because I'm not like I've never I've never got into athletics. I was very much like a team sport person, not very good at it, but I was a team sport person. Do you choose what because you're obviously British champion in triple jump? Do you, do you choose what sort of athletics you go into or do they just sort of say, right, we'll do everything and we'll sort of see what you're good at? Yeah, um, it kind of depends because some clubs will have coaches that can kind of do everything. I guess most clubs have a coach that can do everything, but maybe not one that's like really specific on one event. So a lot of young kids who come into athletics, they do get to try a lot of different things um, and see which one they're the best at. But fortunately, my club that I joined, which is Trafford, um, they had jumps coaches there. 
So that meant that I could easily just start learning how to do triple jump um, there without having to maybe find a different club, which is more um, specific for triple jump or for jumps events. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the, there is sort of like a, an umbrella thing where you can try everything, but you, you then when you really want to focus on one event, you might want to find a club which, which focuses on that a bit more. When, when you joined the Trafford Club, did you know you wanted to do triple jump or did you just sort of go in and go, I'll see, I'll see what works? How old were you as well when you, when you joined? Yeah, so I first joined the club when I was 14 and that was Salford Mets and that was just the local club to me. Um, so I used to do running there and sprinting, um, but I really wanted to try something new because I, w- I went to English schools, which is like the Olympics for kids <laughs> for athletics. Um, and I came second to last. So I was like, oh no, like I really don't want to do, I don't want to do this event. I wanted, and I felt so far away because at the time there was Dean Asher Smith. Um, he was like two years older, just running ridiculous times. And I'm like five seconds behind. I'm like, okay, I'm calculating this and I don't think I'm going to make it to that level. Um, so that soon and I really don't want to, I really want to be quick with my journey to be honest um, so I was like I'm going to find an event with less people doing it um, so when I went to um, English schools some of the Trafford coaches sort of scouted me there and then I went to Trafford and they asked you know what event do you want to do and I was like um, um 200 and then my dad sort of looked at me like knowing that I wanted to do triple jump and I was like uh, okay I'm triple jump and they're like oh triple jump cool yeah we've got a coach who can do that and that's Tom um, and I was like, oh, great. So it kind of, I kind of did both for a bit and then focused in on the triple jump after about six months. Is the triple jump quite niche as compared to the 200? Is that sort of, is that why you chose it? You were like, I have more chance of fame and success here. <laughs> I don't know about fame and success. I think success for sure. I think the sprinters um, definitely get a bit more like, I don't know, it's like a glamorous, a really glamorous event. And I think triple jump is super glamorous. It's really cool. Um, but less people know about it. Like even in school, I was like, yeah, I do triple jump now. And they were like, oh, is that the one with the pole? I'm like, no, <laughs> Where, where's the pole in the name? <laughs> it's the hop, skip and jump. So I just had to like, yeah, I, I accepted that it might not be the most popular um, of events, but I thought I'd be able to succeed at it because there was less competition at the time. And also because I am very tall. So I thought, oh, this might benefit me having long legs. Um, and I just seemed to, you know, be pretty good straight away. I broke the British under 17 record after sort of five months training for it. So then I was like, yeah, yeah I think I'm going to stick at this. Um, it's a bit better than coming last at English school. So <laughs> I'm going to give this more of a go. What made you um, want to succeed? What was like the um motivation behind that did you want to almost be what like you went into it at 14 and i'm sure a lot of 14 year olds want to be well known and like have some sort of status and be verified on instagram and all this sort of stuff was that like be honest was that like a little bit of your motivation back then it actually wasn't no um at the time i was like really on I was on Tumblr a lot, which was like this blogging sort of website. I had 10K followers at about 14, 15. So I was very used to already having lots of followers and all that type of thing. So it wasn't for that at all. It was mainly like just, I just wanted to be good at something that was like measurable. It's like, wow, you can actually break a record here. You can win a gold medal. You know, people can tell you you're good at things. But what I love about athletics is that you can put that effort in and see your personal best get higher and higher. Um, And also, I really wanted to get into presenting as well. Um, and I, I did realise that a lot of, you know, former athletes did get into in it that way. And that was always like a childhood dream of mine, even more so than being an athlete. 
Um, so that's kind of maybe what motivated me a little bit, but it wasn't so much for like being verified, even though it's cool to have a tick. <laughs> it's cool to have a tick, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was the main thing. Um, just having that this is a, success. I, I, I'm not verified, so I don't know what it's like, RIP. How did you find out, <laughs> like off topic, how did you find out you got verified? I think... I was asleep and then I woke up and then a few of my mates were like, you know me, you've got, you got verified there's a tick next to your name. And then I was like, what? <laughs> I think it was actually on Twitter. Yeah. I was like, what? Oh my gosh. And I checked. And then I was like, mum, mum, I'm verified. So my mum was just like, oh my gosh. I like screenshot it, put it in the family group. I was like, no one could talk to me now. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, I, I was verified on Twitter and then, I was very bad on Twitter, then Instagram. But then after I got married, I lost the tick on um, Twitter. So that's humbled me now. So I don't, I don't have the tick on Twitter anymore. Yeah, I, I was verified on Twitter. And then I forgot my password and my phone number changed and I couldn't change back. So they deactivated my account and I've lost my tick. And oh. yeah, tw- I think Instagram is more like more rep- reputable because Twitter, they I think they just sort of verify anyone, don't they, these days. But um <laughs> I want to know what you were like growing up because I think I read you've got a brother haven't you Nathaniel um footballer am I right plays for Swansea City um so it's obviously a sporting family background um what was that like growing up how competitive were you Were, were you always quite competitive or um it was funny because we would we do we weren't like competitive if we played games together or video games or anything like that but before i did any sports he'd come home literally it felt like every week with man of the match or a different trophy and my mum's like cabinet was just filling up with all his stuff and i'm like what about me like i want to i want to have some stuff on there and maybe i'd win like an art con like a coloring contest in school but it wasn't quite the same as the big trophies he was bringing in so i do think that that sort of inspired me to want to get into sports because of the the medals and trophies i was like that's something that you can like my mum can put up and that would be cool so i think he definitely inspired me to get into sports um but yeah we're, we're not we're not too competitive um normally but i think we definitely push each other out good um good upbringing was it good good parents supportive um reason i ask is i remember when i started yeah. my business my parents were all against it and didn't want me to um go into it they, they've apologized now um but some some parents are against you because athletics is is quite niche, and obviously footballers are known to make like more money and more success and all that sort of stuff. So, what what were your parents like? How supportive were they? I think my parents were like extremely supportive. I definitely think me and my brother had a really good upbringing. Um, we both raised Christian, and we went to church together as a family. So we have like a really close knit um, sort of family unit and. I think the reason why my dad's so like for me doing it is because I think he really wanted to do his sport, but not so much his parents didn't didn't let him. But you know, he wanted to. He was in Nigeria, and his sort of chance of you know coming to the UK is if he's got like a really good job and stuff like that. So he went to do engineering at university, even though his passion probably was triple jump. So I think when I told him that you know I want to do triple jump, I want to do creative stuff, he's just like you know go for it because maybe he didn't get the opportunity to do the same. And my mum's just. 
she just you know loves telling everybody like oh my, my my son plays football and telling everyone in the queue at tesco and just embarrassing <laughs> embarrassing us both so she she'll just be up for anything where uh, she can post on facebook to amaze <laughs> i'm joking as well but um no she's i think they both like super proud of us what what do your 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 what does your mum do? Um, are they quite? Do they come from like quite average backgrounds? Um, and that's why they're super proud. Or are they? Was your mum into athletic sport before, or what? Yes, yeah, so my mum's like not really sporty. She loves like doing a little bit of like exercise and walking and all that normal stuff. But she's not like a super athlete. I think my dad was pretty good. He was like northern northern champion for long and triple jump. Um, but in terms of what they do, my mum was um, a teacher um, and my dad is a software developer. So he kind of went in the in the tech stuff like a little bit. And that probably made me want to get into that as well. Um, and I think my mum's just been super creative, like as well as teaching. She always was doing like writing plays, writing poetry. Um, and she has like this play that's going to be sort of touring in the UK and Black History Month. So she's creative and special in like a different sort of field. Um, but yeah, sporting wise, it's mainly me and my brother who really succeeded at that. But it's crazy, right? Because convention, I think convention would say that, but like, no offense, but you and your brother, you should follow sort of in their footsteps. You shouldn't really be doing this. What makes you, why, why do you think that you sort of broke away from that? What was your, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I think I think I just always thought that you know I I I mean I, I grew up in Salford and in Salford it wasn't really a, it's not really a place it might have changed now but even when I've worked in schools it seems the same where it's not a place where you can really express yourself it's not a place where you want to stand out and go outside the grain um, you're going to be seen as weird if you do anything that's sort of different from the norm so it was. I guess it was slightly easier for my brother, you know, doing football because that's seen as cool. But if I'm like, oh, I do triple jump and I'm interested in making music videos on YouTube, that was very, very strange. Um, so I think I was so tired of being sort of put in a box when I was in school that as soon as I left school and um, went to college and stuff, I was like, I want to just do what I want and not be like, because I used to literally, I'd make videos on YouTube and then at school I'd get like, laughed at so much that I'd remove them and I'm like imagine if I kept that up and you know see how TikTok's going now and all that type of stuff um so I just feel like I just didn't want to be limited by my environment and if my environment was putting me in a box let me just get rid of that box and just do what I want and my parents just always just encouraged me and my brother to just follow what we wanted to do as well um so I think that's probably why what do you think about um schools then um i have my own opinions on this obviously i i left very early because i was very much put in a box and i remember it vividly like i loved building websites coding websites all this sort of stuff and i i deliberately like misbehaved so they'd send me to like detention because it was in the it room and i could just go and code websites do you think schools need to change because they lack creativity in my opinion they don't want to they treat everyone the same they don't want to push creative people through what are your thoughts on school yeah so i worked um in a school for uh, in a couple of schools around the northwest um with the charity for a few i think about two years um and it was amazing just sort of being really in the school like the same school every single week and sort of seeing how it was set up and i do think that um you know a lot of the young people don't really know all the sort of industries that are available now 
Um, I think, you know, even when I was going to school, we'd have careers days and there'd be an army person. There'd be a person who works as a teacher, you know, the very like typical sort of jobs that you can, that you think that you can go into. But, you know, there's so many jobs, especially within tech, um, within the arts and creative industries. And I think schools should definitely start um, making that connection to maybe art galleries or like, you know, the tech industry and allowing them to come in, maybe just, even if it's just like a career day for, for the more sort of, let's say, newer sort of job roles, just so kids can widen their imaginations because I know these super creative kids like yourself, imagine if, you know, somebody came in and said, you know what, um, every Wednesday after school, we're going to do a code club or something like that. And you're like, oh, wait, I like that. But you can only do that if you get, you know, doing well at school. And then it's sort of fixing both sides. So you know, you need to, you know, if you, you, you want to be okay at your maths, English and science so you can sort of get by. But I think having that incentive of doing something that you love um, alongside that would I think would motivate kids a little bit more than just saying you need to do this because you need to get a job and, and that's it and not really exploring what makes them unique and really tapping into things that really drive them so I do think that that needs to change in schools yeah what advice going back to the one where you said like you did different things like not conforming to the norm like you created a youtube video put it up like you're 24 i'm 23 it's obviously it's easy to look back and say i wish i sort of just stuck with it and that sort of stuff but what advice would you actually give to the these young people who are doing something different because i i remember like like you i back in the days i was doing like youtube and and posting videos on facebook and everyone was calling you weird and then self-consciously you're like right I've got, to, I've got to delete this this is this is odd what advice would you give to people like that um i think the advice i'd give is that the people who you meet at school but when you're 23 and 24 you probably are only going to be in touch with about five of them if that so don't let people who you're not even going to know in 10 years time affect you the rest of your life um, I think it's definitely hard when there's peer pressure, um, but as soon as you start succeeding in it, like if you suddenly, you know, you're making videos and then one of them got 20k views and you go into school, then suddenly you're not weird anymore. It's like, whoa, you know, that's so cool. Like you got that many views. How did you do that? Can I be in one? So, you know, I think you don't don't let the opinions of, of people who aren't going to change your life <laughs> affect you too much. That's what I'd say. And it's easiest, it's easier said than done. And if that's too difficult, maybe just wait till you're a bit older when you're out of that environment and then you can really really thrive when you're out of there but yeah i think that's the advice i'd give definitely right so naomi you've obviously like you've achieved a lot um definitely a lot of hard work let's let's be honest has gone into it you're you're obviously in athletic shape like good shape you probably eat well what does your training schedule actually look like you mentioned at the moment you're in your training camp in florida how how ruthless is it honestly yeah, I'd say it's pretty pretty ruthless. Um, we sort of we're about forty five minutes from the track, so we have to we go to the track and then we warm up for about an hour, and then I'll do jumps, um, and it'll just be like jumping and jumping and jumping until I get some like the thing that I'm working on right that day. So I could be jumping for like an hour or uh, one hour, one and a half hours, and then after that we'll do sled pulls, so like pulling a weight while sprinting, um, or just doing like a lot of load of sprints. Then we'll be in the gym doing some sort of either conditioning or like, uh, you know, strength workout. 
And then after that, you know, you do like a cool down and then go home and we'll be back home at about, we'll leave at 10, be back at five. So it's really definitely intense. Um, but it's so it makes such a difference being in a, a group of just fun people, friendly people, and we all just sort of motivate each other and really honest with each other. Like this is tough, but let, let's do it. You you do an hour's warm up. I mean, I, I referee and I, I have to go to the track once twice a year to do my fitness test, and it takes thirty minutes, and I'm blowing after that. An hour's warm up on the track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. It, obviously you enjoy it you love it all that sort of stuff but a track for me when i've been i've always found it quite a daunting place it looks quite small from a while from far away and then you get on it and it's like it's quite big do you do you find that how do you stay motivated just to sort of run <laughs> luckily i don't have to do too much um running as a jumper um but when it's the winter training that's when you really have to start doing your laps and all that stuff and I don't even know. I think I just always focus on the finish line. So if it's, you know, two laps, three laps, I feel like all the distance runners are just laughing at me right now. Like me saying three laps is a lot. But if it's I'm doing a three lap jog, I'm always just focusing on, okay, I've done 400 meters. Okay, what's left? And it's always just focusing on the end rather than seeing, oh my gosh, I have to do this amount. Um, and I can't imagine how it is for the, my, my husband does 400 meters. And I think this looks such a long way to go. But I think they just get used to it. The more they do it, the more it becomes, you know, normal. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how some of the runners do it, to be fair. <laughs> no. How? What are your team like? You obviously said they're fun. And I, to be fair, I think that does make it like a huge difference, right? Rather than people who are so anal and like strict on like what they're doing. How yeah. many of you are there? What's it like working with them? Yeah, so I'm in a jumps group. Um, we're normally based in Loughborough, which is like where the National Training Centre is. Um, we have um, Abigail Rosaru, who is an Olympic long jumper, and Ben Williams, who is an Olympic triple jumper. So then they're just like super inspiring because they, they've obviously, you know, got to the pinnacle of sort of athleticism there. Um, and then we have two, um, three, no, two Paralympians, Zach Skinner, who is... I think he's blind, but he's also a DJ and he's just like so fun. Like he's an amazing jumper. Um, and then Olivia Breen, who's just full of energy. She's so bubbly. She's a Commonwealth champion. She's won, she's won loads as well. So just being a around these champions, like just a diverse mix of people who are just always trying to push each other. Um, it's just, it's just incredible. It's an amazing sort of environment to be in and we all just really get on. So yeah, it's, it's really good. Sorry have, if I missed anyone out there. There's, there's more, but... <laughs> does, does he ever... Are you, are you all, like, living together? Does he ever come and bring his DJ decks and, like, do you a little mixtape? <laughs> no, at the moment, we've sort of split up into different houses. But, yeah, I definitely need to see that. Um, <laughs> I need to see his DJ deck and see his tunes. Um, I'm not actually seeing him play live, but, no, it, it, <clears> that would be awesome if you could do that. <laughs> I have noticed, though, like since I started doing this podcast and brought on like super inspiring people, how much they have actually like, it's weird because you don't realize it, but how much they motivate me. And, and I think your sort of social group who you hang around with have like, has like a big part of how well you could actually do and your full potential. Have you, I don't know how to ask this. So I'll just sort of say, it. have you ever had any like toxic people, like maybe ex friends, partners, whatever, who, sort of you've had to cut off because they they may may hold you back from your goals um i think i've definitely been in environments which didn't allow me to thrive 
Um, and I've been around people who don't sort of see, you know, if I have a vision for something, I'm like, I want to break this record and they'll laugh and things like that. So I normally try and have empathy for as many people as I can. Um, so I won't necessarily just cut them off straight away because they've upset me. I'll try and think, okay, why, you know, are, are they insecure? Is that come from a place of insecurity? Um, are they going through something right now? You know, I try and really see the human side of them and know that they might have not even meant it in that way. Um, so a lot of the time, if I am in an environment which I feel is affecting my mental health, I'll just remove myself straight away. Um, but if it's people and I just really try and give them the benefit of the doubt and maybe even tell them like, look, you keep laughing and I don't really like that because this is something that I really, I really care about. So I know you might be joking, but you know, you know, just try and be honest with them. And I think that definitely helps. But yeah, if something's affecting your mental health, I can't stress enough that it's not worth it. You know, it's not worth having something affect you. So you need to go. And that's, that's definitely something I believe in. One one thing I one thing I've noticed from my past uh, experience and whatever people who are laughing at you, like you said, they often come from like a place of insecurity, or they're like, oh, "Shit, she's doing really really well, or he's doing really well. Why don't I have that?" I, that's probably what you found. Any one thing I wanted to ask you, I'm a, I'm I've gone ketosis. I'm on a keto diet now. What's your diet like? How well? Are you on any specific diets? Do you like any specific diets? Um, I'm actually like not on a specific diet, but I have sort of just, I started to learn just more about different food groups and what foods sort of work for me because I used to have foods that would make me like bloated or foods that would make me more tired and sleepy before training. So I started to like really work out which food groups and which foods work for me. Um, and then also I've just really try to eat more whole foods and make things myself. So especially in lockdown, I was learning so many new recipes of how, because I'm not a big vegetable fan. Like, so I'm trying to find ways to sort of incorporate vegetables into my food in a way that's going to make me want to eat them. So I don't really have a specific one, but I definitely try and learn new recipes that make me eat well, because that, you know, fuels a huge part of uh, being an athlete. What, what sort of foods do you eat, eat so for today like and are you i can't remember if you said you're training later but like what's how would your diet be yeah. today on a training day so on a training day i'll have breakfast um normally i have like an omelet or something like that um i have a massive two liter bottle of i think it's like 2.4 liter bottle of water that i'll bring with me and get through um in the day as well um and then i'll bring some sort of snack bar maybe like a little protein bar I can have a training um, and maybe some beef jerky because we're in America and it's a nice little protein snack. Um, and then after training, when I get back, I'll probably make something like salmon, um, broccoli, maybe a bit of pasta, you know, but that just sort of depends. The reason I'd have pasta is because I'm not jumping tomorrow. Um, but if it was a day where I was jumping before, I probably wouldn't want to have the carbs because I feel like that does make me, sometimes it can make my joints ache and stuff like that. So I think the more you sort of test out different foods, you're like, oh, wait, this is affecting me and this isn't. Um, but I definitely don't sort of limit myself when it comes to eating treats and stuff. I think that, you know, you don't, that can be something, something that can get a bit toxic as an athlete, sometimes obsessing um, over being healthy. And I think it is, it's really normal just to have a balanced diet. That's always what's sort of recommended. So I don't mind having a brownie, sometimes getting a takeaway, love a Chinese. Like, I don't think you have to really limit um, you know, everything, but definitely with everything sort of within moderation, um, especially in conversation time. But um, yeah, that's sort of how I go about my normal day. It is weird though, because like I've got, I've got a game tomorrow and, and um, my, 
my like sports science team, they'd be like, oh, you should should eat a load of pasta tonight. But I found that actually that's quite bad advice. Like, like you said, like it like makes your joints ache and all all this sort of stuff. Um, well, I am curious though. You, you say you don't limit yourself. That's great. Do you ever have just like a cheat day where you'll just sort of eat everything? Yeah, like, I think I wouldn't even call it a cheat day. I think, oh, my, what's my go-to cheat day meal? <laughs> yeah, go on. It's what is it? after a competition. It's when I come back. Uh, it's, it's, it's always out of three things. It's either just a massive Domino's pizza. Like, I'll share a little bit with my husband, but it'll be a massive Domino's pizza with <laughs> the, the is it the cheesy crusty <laughs> bread. Um, or we'll have a Chinese, I'll get the sort of your salt and pepper chips, like some sort of crispy beef, something like that. Um, and some, yeah, I don't know, I, I can go on forever to talk about Chinese or an Indian. So they're my sort of three sort of go-tos. Um, but yeah, the Domino's Peach after a comp, it's different. <laughs> what? Why are you sharing food? <laughs> what, what are you doing? I mean, I remember I was out with my mates. I was out with my mates the other day and they were like, oh, let, let me have a bit of this. I was like, no, like, why are you sharing food? I get he's your <laughs> husband, but you don't share food. <laughs> I always say like, what do you want to get? And he's like, oh, right, I'll just get this. But you, but like, I'll just have a bit of yours. I'm like, no, no, let's, let's circle back. Let's circle back. You're not having a bit of mine. If you want to get that, you order that. It literally reminds me of that James Corden. Um, it's like a James Corden skit when he's like going through the Indian takeaway. That's what it's like. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not oh, a big yeah, fan that, of sharing, um... but, you know, when you're married. You... <sighs> yeah, you've got to share. When you... <laughs> From <laughs> you've got to share when you're married, don't you? What is it like? You're obviously yeah. married at a young age. He's obviously going to be a very supportive person. Else, from talking to you, you probably wouldn't be with him. What's he like in terms of your goals, your dreams, your aspirations? Um, yeah, he's super supportive. And it's really cool that he also does um, athletics as well. Um, and it's nice that we're able to go in these camps together, go to some of our competitions together. And I think... Yeah, we were both sort of motivate each other. He's always um, been supportive since we were literally best mates for about six, I think I think about six years before we even like were together. Um, so it's like, yeah, he's always just been there for me and he literally would be the first person I talked to before a comp and after a comp and it's been like that for years. So it's just sort of a continuation of our friendship. Um, and oh, I was going to say something. I can't remember, but yeah, <laughs> it's he's very supportive. This is something I'm curious about. Um, I've I've struggled with like relationships in the past, um, whether that be like I'm too busy, I'm so focused on my work that they don't meet like my sort of dreams, aspirations. How do you, how did you know? And it's a big question. How did you know that he was like the one, so to speak? Um, I think it was just because it was just somebody who was constant. And I'd be in a relationship with someone else. And then I'd, if something was going wrong, I'd message him like, oh, Kev, like, do you think I did something wrong here? Like, I don't really know what's going on. And he said he liked me at this time, but I didn't even know. <laughs> it's like a typical like, movie or something. And he'd be like, <laughs> he'd said he just kind of put that bit of liking me in the back of his brain and just sort of came as a friend, like literally came as a friend and tried to help me work throughout, work through the relationships that I was in. So I think that made me think like, wow, like he actually just, like he can actually, I don't know, he likes me that much that, he, can, he just supports me regardless, you know, if that makes sense. So I think it's somebody who's so aligned and you can just tell, like, if you were doing well, if you weren't doing well, um, if, if you know, he gave him what 
I don't even know if you, yeah, if you're doing well or not, regardless, you know, they're always consistent. And I think that consistency is something that, that means the world to me, that they, they like you, like, however you're being, um, and really see the real you and still still stand by you. So, yeah, I think finding somebody who's <clears throat> like that's uh, always key. I see um, a lot of people, like younger people especially, sort of rush into something, and then social media is like, oh, it should be perfect. So when something goes wrong in, like, their relationship, they break that off, and then they go searching for the next best thing. What sort of advice if you can give advice, you're obviously not a relationship coach, but what would you say to those like younger people who are rushing in to relationships to try and find that almost Prince Charming, um, princess Fiona sort of situation? <laughs> I think, not um, the Shrek Fiona, like the... I think, yeah, the main piece of advice I'd give is friendship is definitely key. Like, would you want to be friends with this person? Like, it's not just, do you find them attractive? It's, could you imagine, like, just living with this person 24-7, literally? Um, does this person make you laugh? If you're angry at this person, can you actually forgive them? And if they, like, offended you, can, can you, you know, yeah, if, if you offended them, if they offended you, can you forgive them? Because you're not, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows and you will argue over sharing the lambuna and little random things like that. And I think if you have friendship with someone, then you have trust because you know that, you know, you, you, when you think of your friends, like, if they, they sort of do so many things for you, they won't betray you and all that type of stuff. And I think that's the same thing in a relationship. You want somebody who likes you so much as a person loves you so much as a person that they're not going to want to hurt you because they respect you um and you always have that in friendship so i think that's that's always the key somebody who you genuinely like as a person because it's always you when you fall out with your mates because of something stupid you can always phone them up and be like right okay let's just nip it in the bud now and i think it's like that you and i always see it as like with your siblings you know, you don't pick your siblings, but you love them. And you just, even if they annoy you, you still sort of love them. And it's that same same sort of thing of like, it's just a, just a continuation of, of love that even if they upset you, um, obviously not to the point where it's dangerous, of course, but if, if it's like a little petty argument, the same way you can forgive your, your sibling, I think it's the same way you should be able to forgive your partner and not just leave them if something goes a little bit wrong or you get the ick. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it should be a bit, little bit more substance than that. Yeah. How important is public image to you? Um, and what I mean is, like, I've got to be, because I referee, I, I'm, like, representing the Football Association. I've got to be, like, mature and watch what I say online and all this sort of stuff. How important is that to you? Have you got, like, any guidelines you need to sort of follow or do, do you care how people perceive you? Um, I think I do. I think I do care a bit about public perception I think I've always kind of struggled with wanting people to like me but I think as I've got older I've sort of realized that do you know what not everyone's gonna like you you're not gonna be everyone's cup of tea you don't like everyone so why would you expect the same but one thing I always try and have integrity and treat people with respect um, and sort of respect people's opinions as well and that that can be really hard because it's always gonna be people you disagree with but I studied politics in uni so I was always around sort of differing opinions um, so I always try to respect and listen to different people's point of views before sort of forming my own opinions or saying anything. So I definitely think a lot about the things I say, if it's especially if it's something that's really kind of controversial um, or something that's, you know, uh, very serious. Um, and I think, yeah, it's I think it's important to 
to I think it's not so much like trying to protect your image when you when you don't say certain things, but you have to think if in ten years do you want this out there, you know, if this is something that's going to be sort of permanent. So you kind of have to be careful what you say. And I know a lot of athletes in the spur of the moment might say something and that that's there now. And it's sort of like that could be a meme for the next couple of years. Um, so I think it's definitely important to sort of take a deep breath and think about what you're going to say um, sometimes before you say it. Um, but yeah, I definitely do want, wanted to show people respect and have integrity. Nice. So in 2018, you obviously, <clears throat> you represented, I think it was Great Britain or was it England? in in the european great athletics britain. great britain yeah so you re represented great britain in the european athletics championship in berlin how did you get told that you'd be representing your country um so how it sort of works in athletics is that you have to win or come second at british champs um or, and also like jump a standard so they have these sort of standards so i had to jump 1390 to get there um, so when I went to British Champs, I jumped 13.95 um, and I won. So I knew that I was going from that moment. And that was my first, no, it wasn't my first, but it was like a, a really major sort of senior competition. So I was so excited when I got told and I got that phone call just confirming it. It was it was just a great feeling to know, wow, I'm actually going to be on the same team as these great people that I've looked up to all these years. Um, so, yeah, that was a pretty incredible feeling. Do you remember the do you remember what the feeling was actually like when you knew you were going? Did you sort of just do an extra five laps was... around the track? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just like in disbelief because I wasn't even jumping very well that season. And I said to my dad, like, oh, I don't even want to go to Europeans. Like, when did I even because he was saying he only like I think I was starting to, you know, I was going to festivals and like I just wasn't taking that. I was so convinced that I wasn't gonna go that I was just kind of thought, I'm not I'm not even gonna go for it anymore my dad was like what about Europeans I was like when did I say what to go Europeans like you're putting this in my head like I didn't say I wanted to go you know being a little bit mardy um but then when I did actually jump the standard I was like oh wait I'm actually going and it suddenly like shifted um my whole thinking and I was like no I'm actually I do want to go and I think I was probably saying that out of fear um, so sorry dad for that little uh, confrontation um but no I think the feeling was relief and it was sort of like wow I actually did it There'll obviously be um, a lot of people, especially young people, working maybe as hard as you, maybe maybe if not harder. And you've obviously you've got it. You've achieved this like level of success. Why do you think you've made it over like people who are working as hard, if not harder? And then they'll probably look up to you and be like, "I should be where she is now." Does that make sense? Yeah. Um... It could be a bunch of things. It could be genetics. It could be, as I said, I'm six, I'm six foot tall. So there's little, like, there's genetic things that are going to make me better than other people, even if they work harder. Um, there's things such as training smart, not just hard. So somebody could work harder than me, do 10 laps around the track, um, you know, lift double. But, you know, they're just going to get injured because it's not what's maybe the best thing for them to do. Um, and also, I think I have a very good sort of work-life balance. I do so much outside of athletics that mentally it doesn't really affect me as much as maybe others. So I could, I've could i won British Champs nine times in a row. Um, and I think that's just because I'm doing so much outside of athletics <laughs> that the pressure doesn't, it doesn't really affect me in the same way. Um, and I just have a lot of 
um, yeah, I think I just have a lot of confidence in myself and my ability. Um, I can definitely get better. I can always be more confident. But I think it's just that having that balance and that good sort of mindset going into competitions, which has helped me to succeed. Does it, so the ninth time you won like British champ, was it as good as the first time? Honestly. No. <laughs> no, I think it, no, it's, it wasn't. Honest. I think it just goes sort of like this. Unless, because I think the problem has been is that I've won the British titles, but I've only ever qualified for something off it once or twice. So most times it's a little bit of a disappointment because I'm like, okay, I won, but I'm not going to the Olympics. Like, or I won and I'm not, I missed world champs by, you know, five centimetres. So that's been something that's been really um, frustrating. Um, so I think I'm obviously grateful to have won the titles, but I'm hoping the next time I actually qualify for, to go to a bigger competition again. So, um, yeah, I don't take any of, it, any of it for granted and I don't even go in expecting to win. Um, it's like, I think I can, but I don't expect it. I don't think it's going to be given to me on a platter. I know I have to, it's never going to be easy, regardless of who's sort of there. Um, so, because anybody can surprise you at any moment. So, yeah, I definitely, uh, it definitely changes in, in, in emotion, but hopefully um, I'll get that high again when I qualify for something off the back of it. Is there good money in athletics? Because obviously, like I said earlier, you look at footballers and you sort of expect them to be on good money and all this sort of stuff. But athletics, you would, it's, ne it's never really talked about, is it? You obviously don't need to say what, what you earn from it, but is it good? Um, no, I'm going to be honest and say no. Um, I think it can be good for those. <laughs> it can be good for those who are, you know, Usain Bolts or your, your world record holders who are right at the top. But for a lot, it's a complete and utter struggle. Um, there's people who are, you know, British champions who can't can't even afford, like, to, you know, get get to training. You can't even afford to go in the, to get food. It's it's literally that bad. As being an athlete, you're going to get less than minimum wage, if if even you get anything. Um, I think there's a real, like, there's a sort of a perception that sports people are rich and famous. And there'll be people with blue ticks who are really struggling financially right now. Um, with athletics, a lot of the income comes from sponsorship. Um, which is where you sign a contract and you get sort of a lump sum um, in, in the year and maybe you'll get bonuses for hitting certain performances. But a lot of people are just on kit contracts. So all they're getting is clothes, which is amazing, of course, but they're not getting that financial support. Um, and then there's also the funding, which is lottery funding and that's sort of in tears, um, starting off at 10K for the whole year, which again is fantastic, but it's still less than minimum wage. Um, so although it's amazing to be supported, um, it's still not really enough to live off. Um, so the only other way you can then make money is by going to competitions such as the Diamond Leagues, um, which I'm fortunate to be a part of, um, where you do get sort of a 10K um, prize, like cash prize if you win, going down to sort of 2K, this is in dollars. Um, and I think um, that the only problem is it's really hard to get in those competitions. Like you have to be ranked really high in the world and or have a fantastic agent. And luckily I do. Um, but it, it's not easy at all. Um, and I think we definitely need to be more transparent about how difficult it can be financially. Um, and I think that's the only way we can sort of move the sport forward. If we all just be like, it's all going fine whilst everything's burning, you know, it's not it's not the best way to be. So I think there's definitely improvements that, that can be made. But a lot of athletes um, work part time jobs alongside doing their um, training. So it's a different world to football. My brother's loving it. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing okay. He'll be on good money, won't he? It's oh yeah, he's, he's, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go 
rid of him. <laughs> no, like you said, and obviously from, from like judgment as well, there's this perception like, oh, Naomi, she's verified. Ah, she's doing athlete athletics. She's got to be super, super happy. She's got to be like the happiest girl in the world, right? Like, I can't speak for you, but that surely can't be the case. You're, you've surely, you're going to have struggles, aren't you? Like mental health. Are you, talk, talk to me about that. Are you, are you happy? Yeah, I actually am. I am happy right now. There was a time a few months ago where I wasn't happy. I was away from my family and I really struggled. Um, and I think as well with lockdown, that really infected my, my mental health uh, because I have, I was diagnosed with anxiety at um, 15 or something like that. Um, so being in lockdown sort of increased that anxiety like so much because it was so difficult. Um, and I think, I think at the moment I know I'm happy, but I had to sort of, it's not just a given. I had to do things and change things in order to sort of get that happiness. Um, and I'm just, I'm very, yeah, I'm very pleased that I'm in a position now and an environment which is allowing me to have a better mental health. You, you mentioned obviously being a black woman, racism, that sort of stuff. Um, have you experienced racism before? What sort of stuff have you experienced? Um, yeah, I think most, yeah, I think most black people, um, have experienced racism in some form, whether that's sort of overtly like really obvious or whether that's something that's um not as obvious and just little microaggressions um i think for me it's been sort of from when i was little being the only black girl in this you know white primary school everybody else was white i was the only black girl in the whole school and um, so you know people would say stuff to me and make fun of me but a lot of it was because they just didn't know and they didn't have the education um and i think kind of growing older it just sort of got Sometimes it was nasty, you know, people just saying the N-word, directly screaming it, like going past on the motorbike and little things like that. Um, and sometimes it was just like little things like not being able to, you know, being judged straight away and um, going into a college sort of open day. And she says, oh, you need to have at least a C um, in English to be able to come to this course. And I'm like, what makes you think I've not, you know, just looking at me, she assumed that I, um, I wouldn't have achieved that. Um, she didn't know anything about me. So it's just like little things like that. But I think in sports, the one thing I love about it um, is just that, you know, it's it's a completely, especially with athletics, it's a global sport where the it's all measured in how well you do. It's nothing to, you can't be like, oh, well, the manager doesn't like me because of this or that, so I'm not going to be on the squad. It's like, I've jumped this far, I've ran this fast, I've threw this far, so I've qualified and I can then compete against the best in the world. So I think sport definitely levels that, well, athletics levels that sort of, playing field of inequality because we're all put on that same we're all on the same track doing the same thing um so yeah have you ever been worried that being a black woman would hold you back obviously you mentioned that open day thing i can't remember you didn't say how old you were but that can't have been a nice thing to basically hear has that ever worried you that maybe you wouldn't make it for being a black woman um no i don't i don't think I don't think I never thought I wouldn't make it because I was black, but I think it was definitely going to, I thought it was going to be more difficult. Um, and I think that black women are just perceived differently. Um, this sort of a stereotype that's put on us. Um, and I think a lot of people just don't, I don't know, I'm not going to say, we're not all the same, of course we're not all the same, but there's definitely a stereotype that black women are more angry, maybe less personable, less friendly. Um, so that can sometimes, you know, <laughs> that, that sometimes can make things a little bit more, 
more tricky to sort of navigate because when people meet you, they have a judgment like, oh, what's she going to be like? Is she going to be super sassy or whatever? Um, and I think, yeah, that, that can be that can be difficult to navigate. But at the same time, in, in athletics, I'll admit, like black women are thriving. Black women are sort of winning the gold medals in the sprint events and the jump events, breaking world records. So I think it's you know, almost an advantage <laughs> within athletics um, to, to have these genes that allow me to I don't know. I think it, there must be a benefit in it. So, um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's an advantage in, in sport, but um, in in life, it, it can be if it can be difficult. But I don't think you need to let it limit limit you. Um, but you may need to sort of navigate things slightly differently, which is hard. And that sort of when I say navigate things differently, it means sometimes you do have to. Um, it's called like code switching. I think that's how it's sort of sometimes defined. And that's like the way I am with my friends isn't the same way I'm going to be. Um, with, with everyone um, and it's just a way that's more manageable more pl- like platable for other people and it's hard because it's some, sometimes like black black women can be seen as like super loud um, and stuff like that so it's sometimes having to turn things down and, like there's little things like that just to make make life easy for others so but that's why it's always so nice to be back with your, your, your own sort of friends and you can completely be yourself um, so yeah I went, I went a long way there but yeah that, that's kind of where I'm at with that you ever um, experienced any sort of like sexism, whether that be like out in public or like online? Because like I scroll through Instagram and literally all my female mates, there's always like 10 guys or something, always commenting stuff like really derogative comments. Have you ever experienced that? Or Yeah, especially as a triple jumper, because um, basically it's, it's, I think it has changed now, to be fair, but. When, you, when I used to go on YouTube and type in um, triple jump, um, they'd just be like, all the thumbnails would just be of everyone's bums. Like, they'd literally just zoom in on everyone's bums and the comments were just, like, awful. Like, lads, we all know why we clicked on this video. <laughs> and it's, like, nothing to do with our athletic ability but just about what we're wearing. So I think that's been something that I found so annoying and so sort of disgusting, to be fair, that there'll be people jumping these ridiculous distances, but all the the views are just for how they look so that that's never nice um to be fair so that's probably the the most frustrating thing tell you what it's um it's probably a good job you're not like a beach volleyballer then i can't imagine what that's that's like i I imagine (laughs) that would be even worse wouldn't it because there there is a perception that that is just what it is right Let's talk about stuff you're doing outside of sports then. You've obviously got Afro Chicks and, and Three Points Start. What, what's Afro Chicks? Um, so Afro Chicks is a NFT collection that I've hand-drew. Um, there's about almost 150 of them now, and I kind of draw them and then put them on a website called OpenSea, which is like a way where you can buy and sell NFTs. Um, and I use the funds that I get from that to sort of support my athletics journey because I mentioned earlier about how difficult it is to get sponsorship and I lost my sponsor. So this has been a way that I've been able to sort of fund my athletics journey and also help other athletes through donating to charities such as the Lloyd Cohen Bursary um, as well. So it's been an amazing sort of journey. I've done it for about since January and it's just it's just been like incredible. It's been opened so many doors and if um done really well with it as well what i i know i'm lucky to know what nfts are but i know a lot of people watching this will just have heard the word and be like oh another nft what is an nft they'll be that that's the question they'll ask what is an nft 
An NFT is it's called it stands for non fungible token, and it's just I just see it as like it's like it's something that you can trade. It's something that you know you you it, it's got the, so basically it's so hard to describe. But basically, with mine, the picture is of um, a lady smiling with an afro, and there's lots of different ones. But the reason why you can't just save that picture or screenshot it from Instagram and be like, I own it, is because there's a code that's within that image and within the um, the NFT that which I've uploaded, which means that there's only sort of one of that piece. Um, and nobody can, every, everybody who buys the NFT has that code and can prove like, this is actually mine. Like I've got the receipt, I, I've bought it. Um, and that also means that they can sell it and shows that it's authentic and genuine. So the great thing about NFTs, I think in the future is that you'll probably be able to buy things like tickets or like passes, like VIP passes and all that type of thing um, and show that it's yours. So you can't get scammed. You know, the amount of times I see my mates buy football tickets or festival tickets on Twitter um, and then get scammed. So if they got it as an NFT, they'd have that code that shows that it's authentic. So in a, in a way, that's just that's just in a, that how it can be used. Uh, but my Afro chicks are just like these images that people can then, once they own it, they can do what they want with it. They can put it on a bag. They can put it as their picture. They can... Um, use it as an album cover, whatever. So it's they sort of own that image after that. Nice, nice. So I'll make sure I link that in the the bio or, or whatever below. Um, three point start then. What's that? So three point start is like a website I made in lockdown, and it's all about sort of athletes owning their own story and um, just and also get, giving opportunities to people who are in want to sort of tap into journalism, content creation, um, and linking them up with these athletes from across sports, such as football, athletics, um, and just allowing them, the athletes to share their story in a relaxed way, because if it's an up-and-coming journalist, you know, they're not going to be trying, like, oh, I'm going to try and catch you out here. If they can just want to, just want to know the story. And I really want to, really wanted to focus on stories away from the track. So it's not just you know, how good they are at what sport they do. It's what are they working on? Are they doing the music? Are they doing music? Are they doing fashion? You know, what type of things are they interested in? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. And that's just been really fun to create. And I do photography, so I'll put my photos in there, make videos, articles, all sorts. So, yeah, that's that's deep out to that. Nice. Awesome. Well, the final question before we move. So the other day I put out a Q&A on like my social channels got some good questions back on that the final one before that it's quite a big one what does the future look like for you or what do you want the future to look like for you um i think i want to definitely succeed in my athletics i'd love to win a couple of global international medals um i'd like to break the british record which is 15 16 at the moment um, so I got just under, just over a meter to go. My math isn't great. Um, and then I, with sort of away from sports wise, I think I just really want to thrive in sort of the business sector, especially with Web three and NFTs. Um, just really growing that and be a real sort of voice in, within that space. Um, and yeah, I just want to keep inspiring the next generation of athletes, the next generation of you know, people like just creative people as well. And I'd love for Three Point Start to become, you know, a, sort of sort of a huge platform, which more you know, bigger athletes sort of get involved with as well. But a lot of things are sort of on, in the works and I'm, I'm, it's so hard to sort of combine everything that I'm doing, but things are really working out for me. So I, I can see, I can see things going well. 
in the future for sure. Any any goals to go to the Olympics, or, or is that under the the global competitions? Yeah, that's under the global competitions. There's the Olympics in Paris. I'd love to come back from that with a medal. Um, and yeah, that, that that's some, that's one of my goals as well. And it's it's coming up pretty when, soon when, actually. So that's pretty cool. When's the Paris one? That's in the, that's in twenty twenty. 2020, 2024, so yeah, that's it feels so you, soon because it's not normally it's a four year wait after the last one. Do you do you know if you're going to that or not yet? Not yet. You'll know. Sort of, I think you've got a, like it'll be next year, 2023, when you can start to get the qualifying distances for that. I think so. I'll probably know next next year, probably at the end of next year. I probably Hopefully, have idea if, I'm, if I'm going. Hopefully, yeah. cool. Let's finish with um. A quick Q&A then, quick fire answer. First one, what is your motivation to keep going when the going gets tough? Um, I think it's just the amount of people who just truly believe in me and it's the impact that what I do could have, you know, I think the better I am at my athletics, the more sort of positive change I'll be able to make sort of in the world. So I think that's what keeps me going. It's sort of bigger than myself. Nice. Do you have any hobbies and slash interests outside of sports? Obviously, you've answered that, but briefly answer again. Um, yeah, I love photography. I'm, I love cooking. Um, I've always just been into tech. So I used to, I still used to, and probably I'm going to still make them. I make Instagram filters, um, which I which just find so fun. Um, and also, obviously, NFTs and Web3. So I'm a very creative, creative jumper. <laughs> What football team do you support? This is going to be the hardest question. You've asked me the most controversial questions, but this one, it just... Well, you're I from know, Salford. I don't but it's, know. It's, Salford's going to be Man United, isn't it? Because <laughs> they're not in Manchester. Manchester's United, not Manchester. It should be, but United stress me out. They, ch- they change the manager too much. And, I mean, I, I just I don't want to say United because... I just don't want to have that sort of emotional, the emotional roller coaster that they take me on. So I'm going to just say Swansea because my brother's playing for Swansea. And if he moves, then it will be that club. So whoever my brother plays for, who I sponsor, sponsor, who I support. Yeah, but this I don't know a, about United yet. Let me let me feel this. Name. This is this, ladies and gentlemen, is what a glory supporter looks like. She'll support United when they do well. <laughs> Can you do me a favor? A big favour. I'm, I'm an Exit City fan. Everyone knows that. I've got quite a big following of Exit City. For clickbait purposes, can you just go, hey, everyone, Exit City are the best team in the world. Just just for clickbait. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> Exit City. I know. <laughs> Have I you ever heard, heard of Exit City? I've heard of the place, Exeter. I couldn't name you an Exeter City player. What what um, league are they in? They're in League One now. We just got promoted. So your brother, did he play for Stevenage or someone like that last season? He played for Shrewsbury. yeah. Same league as them now, so. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so you won't say Okay, it. my favourite League One team. My favourite League One team is Exeter City. Yes. League One <laughs> How team. <about> <laughs> Oh, yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that for the clickbait. Um, I think this is someone you know who asked this. I saw this on Twitter. 
When are you going to appear on Richard Richard Osman's House of Games? I've, I will accept that offer if it comes, but I don't know if I, you know, if it happens, I'll I'll do it. I'm probably I don't, I, I, to be honest, I have not watched the show. I'm sorry. I've I was about to it, ask you what, but... what that was because I've never heard of it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just there, like, I'm scared that, you know, I'm going to upset Richard Osmond if he's listening. <laughs> but I've not watched if, it. If so I don't know. But I guess if I... <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Richard hey, Richard. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you that happens, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll... Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Richard, if you're listening, I'm there. Don't know what it is, but I'm there. <laughs> nice. Two more. If you could have dinner, this is a good one, actually. Dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Mm, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyone. Uh, you could literally uh, be with uh, anyone. Um, let me just go with SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants. That's who I'd go with. <laughs> Right, we need two more because it says three. <laughs> three. So oh my god! Three. Okay, SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Um, yeah. Um, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer um, and Pep Guardiola. Oh, just them three on a table. What a conversation! Three points start. The views would be insane. Ollie, man, he'd be like, he'd be the nice guy who's like serving up like the roast dinner and pouring the gravy, and Pep would just be there like, no, no, you're doing it wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a bit controversial to say that I've I've never actually watched SpongeBob? Oh my gosh! SpongeBob, if you're listening, Richard Osman, if you're listening, we're so sorry. We're not big fans. It's not that controversial. I think it's relatively strange that I was such a big fan of Sponge and still am such a big fan of SpongeBob. And so is my husband, which is bizarre bonding there. But no, um, SpongeBob's just this like yellow sponge. He's just like this sponge that just like underwater, just doing his thing. So you know, it's not the most you know interesting sort of plot. But hey, he's he's cute and he has a funny laugh. Like that's what I did before. So now I'm really <laughs> embarrassed that I did that. Didn't I tell you what, we're doing like free sponsorships <laughs> there, aren't we? Like Richard Osmond, <laughs> Guardiola, Oni Gunnar Solskjaer. Like, I should be paid more for this. Right, final one. This is asked every time, to be fair. Do you like chicken nuggets? I do. I do like a good chicken nugget. And then when I was, because I'm in America, I tried the spicy chicken nugget because they, they stopped doing them in the UK. Um, here I am just promoting another, yet another brand, McDonald's. Um, McDonald's, if you listen to sponsor this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a question quickly off topic, actually. I've heard, like, I ate a bit when I went to New York, but I've heard that um, McDonald's portion sizes are massive compared to the UK. I haven't been to McDonald's out there. What was it? Is, is that a, is that true? 
I'm, I was so disappointed. No, it wasn't true. So, it, maybe it was. Maybe I ordered the wrong thing because I only went there and ordered a drink and four nuggets. So if I'm ordering four nuggets, of course, the portion sizes won't be bigger unless the nuggets were bigger. Um, so maybe I'll need to go again and get a proper meal. But I was I don't know what I was expecting. I ordered four nuggets and I was like, why is it? Everyone said these portion sizes were going to be big. They're only going to be big if you order something big. So next time I'll get a large meal and see if, see what happens then. But um, So I can't, I, can, I can't really answer you. But hopefully... If you go, you won't be as disappointed as I was with my oh, spicy nuggets. So, McDonald's, if you're listening, sponsor Naomi, sponsor the podcast, give us some free chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> it will be a dream. Um, no, that's it. Naomi, thank you so much for, for coming coming on the podcast. I've, I've really enjoyed this this conversation. I think it's very beneficial. Thank you so much for having me, Liam. It's been really fun. Um, and hopefully you've got to know me a little bit. And if you're listening, my Instagram is at Naomi Ogbita because they, they're not letting me change it. Uh, <laughs> and my Twitter is at Naomi No, because I've, I've messaged people, but I don't know. I've been married for like seven months now and I still can't change my name. But I don't want to lose that tick like on Twitter. So no, it's fine. No, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice the tick for my married name. <laughs> You, you no, I think you can change your name, but you want to keep that tick. <laughs> that's definitely that's what, that's what anyway. No, no I actually honest... can't. But <laughs> <laughs> nah, Naomi, thanks so much, and and yes, yeah, stay stay in touch, and it was great to chat to you. Yeah, thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much for listening to episode 11 of The Online Disruptor and also a huge, huge thank you to Naomi Metzger for sitting down with me, giving up her time and really opening up about the truths of being an athlete. I'm sure you can all agree that it was a very, very honest and open conversation and one that I hope you truly benefited from. On next week's episode, I've got another truly inspirational athlete, a pro boxer. Well, former pro boxer, but it's a conversation that shouldn't be missed. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and see you next week.